Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed uh, Easter season this Thursday, June the 2nd, as the light of Christ shines on us from Genesis chapter 9. God blessed Noah and his sons with a new creation. Yes, there was death, but we also realize as Christians, we die to Christ and have a new life in him. And that's what we see with the flood. They now had food to eat. You know, he says, uh, eat the food that is there. He establishes covenant with Noah. There's very clear instructions on how to live this godly life and be fruitful and multiply. It seems like everything is good. All of humanity, including you and me, are part of this lineage. But yet, obviously, not everything was perfect. There were still sinners, temptations, were still a reality, and we see the fall of Noah. Clearly, they needed a savior and so do we. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles to see this Savior, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for their support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome regular guest Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Pastor Dieterding, a blessed Easter, almost Pentecost, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Yeah, we're right there. We're right there here at the end of the Easter season, and uh, many blessings and, and greetings to you as well, and to all those who are listening today as, as well. Um, we, uh, yeah, we are here winding up Easter, and we're going to be uh, celebrating, of course, uh, Pentecost on Sunday and uh, moving uh, ever so quickly into those uh, Sundays after Pentecost, uh, following the Holy Trinity Sunday, of course. But uh, yeah, we're just kind of kind of hanging on to the end of the Easter season yet uh, before we get well, there. And it's, it's 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 absolutely wonderful because, as we know, we we believe as we follow the church year and follow practices, great piety in the church that we are able to say every Sunday, even in the midst of Lent, that Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And what joy it is to done then jump on to Pentecost to see the work of, sometimes, you know, they talk about the book of Acts being the Acts of the Apostles, but we also could say Acts of the Holy Spirit that is still alive and working as he works in the church today. So that is, I mean, it's just, it's all gift, as I like to say all the time, Pastor, it's all gift. So anything else going on for you and your family? Uh, no, we're just, uh, we, we are um, getting ready, my wife and I actually are getting ready to uh, go over to the Holy Land and uh, to Oberammergau here shortly, and uh, we're looking forward to that, and uh, oh it's been waiting for two years because they put that on hold for a couple of years, and it's still not completely settled all the way around the world with the whole COVID pandemic, but uh, it's enough to where they're able to open up over there in Europe now, so... Uh, we feel confident and comf- comfortable doing that, and uh, looking forward to some of our members, too, joining us on our way over. So, Well, God's blessings to you as you travel. And by the way, we will be in Fort Myers June 15th through the 22nd, so we're hoping to be able to worship with you. Maybe we, sh- you know, we should just invite everyone of our listeners who are near Fort Myers, come to Zion Lutheran Church on that Sunday, and let's hang out and receive his gifts. That's that's our goal. What time is church for you guys? So, so we have three services. Uh, we have one service on Saturday night at 5 o'clock, and then we have oh. uh, three services Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, and 11. 
and I will not be there <laughs> that weekend. <laughs> so, so, but oh, I, I, but I oh, will be no. there virtually. <laughs> there you I go. I should be there b- virtually. I'll still be up on the screens, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to be there in person. <laughs> <laughs> so much for that. We tried. We tried. So yeah. uh, it is, a, and it will be a joy. Well, maybe we won't go to Zion. We'll go somewhere. I don't know what will happen. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Well, either way, we received those gifts, and uh, thank God for our time in Fort Myers. But Pastor, yeah, we're here to study the Word of God, so can you begin our time in prayer? Gracious God, we come before you, um, calling you gracious because it is only by your grace that we have the wonderful eternal gifts that you promise us, uh, that of uh, the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ, uh, the promise of an eternal life with you in your presence forever. Today we approach your word uh, here in Genesis, and we learn from that word what your will is for us as, as your people. We pray that as we go through these words this morning that we truly learn more about our relationship with you, that we might continue to grow in the grace that is ours in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to listeners, if you have any uh, questions concerning our text in Genesis chapter 9, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call during this live study, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, let's, I'm going to begin this way, just by hearing the Word of God. For you, our listeners, you have heard the flood account in many different times, and really one of the, 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 the foci, I should say foci, during this time is to not get caught up in the details. How come they could live so long? What about the Nephilim? Uh, what about this? What about that? What about the dimensions? All those things. One, because I'm not really great at those things, and I, you know, I'm not architectural at all. But also, there are so many gems for us to look at of the grace of God, the need of a Savior, and boy, do we see it here in Genesis 9. So let us uh, put those Christ goggles on as we hear the Word of God. Genesis 9, uh, we will be reading from the English Standard Version. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it and from it and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply. Team on the earth and multiply in it. Then God Noah and his sons with him, behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I make between you and and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it should be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. 
When I bring clouds over the earth and, and the bow that is seen on the clouds, I'll remember my covenant as between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again be, become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is a sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The sons of Noah who, has, who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was a father of Canaan. These three were sons of Noah, and from the, the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Sham and Jabeth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah woke from his wine and knew what the youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord Yahweh, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So, Pastor, we end the flood account with some promises, some covenants, and, well, some sin. So where do you want to start? Um, let's go with, uh, some promises. No, <laughs> no we can start right there at the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're uh, talking about, um, being fruitful and multiplying. You know, that's, uh, that's something that God had commanded at the very beginning, uh, with Adam and Eve and then and carried it on into, uh, now, you know, as the, they have the eight people here that have uh, been saved through the flood. And now we have, uh, this command again, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And uh, this is always God's. Uh, this is always God's hope: is that that the entire earth would be filled, that uh, that all that He has created would be used by the crown of His creation, which is which is uh, humanity, of course. And so, to come to this um, last chapter, it, uh, it any anything before this point that you kind of looked up because it. it you know, the, there's just a lot of, lot of little details here and there, but anything important as you look at the flood account that you want to highlight for our listeners? Well, the, the covenant, you know, I mean, we definitely see the covenantal uh, language that God um, has used with Noah after the, the flood, and then the, then the flood subsides, and, and God makes a covenant, um, you know, with Noah that uh, he will never you know, flood the entire world again. They'll never, uh, you know, where it would kill everyone in the world. And then also um, just the fact that uh, he he seals that really with the sign of a covenant by, by uh, talking about this bow that he puts into the cloud, the rainbow. And, uh, and so it is a reminder, and it's still a reminder even to, to us this very day, and, and should be to everyone who believes in God and His Word and, and the power of the Spirit working through that Word to remind us that this was a covenant of God showing to us, really, a covenant of grace, a covenant of, uh, of, of wanting to desire to have life 
you know, prosper throughout the world. And, of course, uh, that life being uh, substantiated fully in Christ Jesus, who uh, is the life that, that we uh, follow, you know, so that we can have life in him. And so it's just, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot here. I mean, it's just really packed. So, uh, I will, should we just uh, dig in? Or what do you think? Let's start, yeah, let's start dissecting. Uh, All right. All right. So here we go. Verse uh, Chapter 9 of Genesis, chapter 9, begin the first verse. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What's the start there, Pastor? What's the first command he gives to them? Yeah, to, to make sure that they, uh, that they actually start to have kids, <laughs> you know, have lots of babies, and to actually start to spread out, you know, from that place where they, you know, landed in the ark, and now to go across uh, the world and, and continue to do what he's, like I said, like he said to Adam and Eve at the very beginning, you know, to now multiply the earth uh, to get, uh, get, you know, nations out there, get people out there. And this is quite humbling when you really just take a step back and think about it, that all of us throughout the world, around the whole world, as we believe as Christians, all come from these eight folks, these eight people, this family. And, and that is something that we, um, it's hard to understand always, but it also is something I've seen different presentations on how this is actually possible, that this is something that's there, and quite humbling to realize that we're all not only um, – uh, related, but also this is a connection of faith. And so it, it's just something that I really reflect on quite a bit is one a reminder for me to, to care for others uh, because they, we're all part of the same family. And obviously in Christ, we are all children of God. Um, but also the amazing reality of this, of how God actually made this happen. Any thoughts on that? We're all related in some sense. Yeah, we know that that somehow through all the genetics there, you know, all the different nations have come from these eight, and that uh, through God and His work, um, you know, we see uh, the miracle of many different nations that uh, develop around the world, and we see that um, especially whenever we get up to the time of the Tower of Babel. Of course, that's just on the horizon here. And then just into the future, to see all the different uh, people groups that we have around the world, all the different uh, colors and races of people, the ethnic uh, backgrounds of folks, uh, where where all these different uh, people groups uh, landed. Finally, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's quite the miracle when you think about it. Well, I'm into that. So let's keep moving forward. Verse 2. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hand, they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. I'm going to stop there. So we could we could do a lot. I mean, I've heard a lot of people speak about this in various ways. But what's the main premise that God is instantly doing for his God, God for his people right away in verses two and three? Well, I mean, from the beginning of time, God had uh, said that every green plant, you know, everything that he would give to us that were green plants would be our food. And now he's adding to that. Um, at least he's giving a divine uh, order that uh, we can also um, have as food that which creeps along the ground, the fish of the sea, 
everything that's delivered, you know, everything that moves can be food for us now. Um, it's not to say that people weren't already eating meat prior to the flood because, uh, you know, they might have all been part of the, the uh, turning away from God and his divine plan for, for humanity. And uh, But now he definitely gives us that, that opportunity to, uh, to actually indulge in meat. So that, that's something that's huge that, that was different uh, from before. Right. And it, it just shows continuously that he will provide for his people. I mean, we see this throughout Exodus, and we see it obviously throughout the Bible, that God provides for his people a way um, to be able to fulfill the vocations he has. Okay, so if we're going to have more people, we're going to need more food. What are we going to do? Well, here you go. There it is right there before you. Um, and, and it's interesting because we can get real political with this. Well, this is why you eat meat and why it's not right to be vegetarian, all this kind of stuff. But let's just stick with the basics. God provides for his people. Verse 4. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I require a reckoning. From every beast, I require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever shed of man... By man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply, team on the earth and multiply in it. Well, there should be a reckoning. Um, and this is an interesting insertion in this text because otherwise it's a lot of promise. And here it says, by the way, there will be a reckoning. Your thoughts? Yeah, so, I mean, in order for us to eat, we're going to have to kill animals. And it seems like that that was permitted here. But then it goes on to talk about the shedding of the blood of men, uh, which has a different uh, connotation, which actually follows uh, what God established in his you know, later on, what we know later on is going to happen whenever he uh, establishes it in his commands, that he's already talking about the commandment of thou shalt not kill uh, when it comes to the shedding of the blood of man. That's that's wrong. That's not what we do. Um, so he's, I think he's all making a clear def- definition here between the cl- killing of animals that, that creep along the ground in comparison to, by the way, uh, men are not like the animals. They are different, and we are not to just take their life. And uh, nor does he talk about eating each other either, which also takes place throughout the history of the world as well. So, I mean, there's a lot here when, it, when it's talking about that. Uh, you go back to verse 4, it says, but you shall not uh, eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Um, you know, that is always uh, an interesting line there because, um, you know, is he talking about eating the flesh or the, or the, or the meat of animals that are alive and eating that lifeblood? Because there's still blood in meat uh, regardless, um, you know, even if you've... Uh, cured and, and, and bled the animal out, uh, it's interesting that, that he makes that, uh, that that comment right before he talks about the blood of men. The blood of men, of course, uh, not being shed. Uh, and, he, and he puts on there because God made man in his own image. And uh, it's the opposite of being fruitful and multiplying uh, to take the life of men as well. And I, I, I read a little bit about this, but it just brings up that connection that we have with you are not to shed the blood of others. He brings us to Cain and Abel. 
that mm-hmm. clearly this is something that was a temptation for humanity, still as today, you don't do it my way, then therefore mm-hmm. I take your life. So it's a command before you get the, the law of the Ten Commandments. And also that understanding of this blood is something that is the lifeblood of somebody, which is why I don't take their life, which also this blood is the life that will give life to all humanity through Christ and, and his cross, which right. I, I found right. a very interesting, at least a homiletical understanding of realizing the importance of blood and also the importance of salvation through that blood. So, Pastor, anything else in verses 1 through 7? Yeah, that answers the question of uh, one of the questions I received from uh, the ladies' groups here, because one of them said, "Why blood? Why did blood have to be shed?" And I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I, there's so much connection of blood language all the way through the Scripture. Um, what other uh, way could God show the deepest love possible than to shed His own blood? You know, in His Son Jesus Christ on the cross. I mean, that's. I mean, there is nothing deeper than that 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 can be shown, and life. You know, without blood, I mean, obviously we have no life. If we have no blood in our in our bodies, uh, that is the thing that keeps us. And of course, you know, our heart pumping that blood through our bodies, uh, it is it is what gives us life. And so, as we look at this, um, he repeats the the command to uh, be fruitful, multiply, and he's really given the gift of life. And I, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, uh, dynamic to this too is okay. We're off the island, not the island. You're off the ark. It's like an island, and and okay. Now what do we do? Because this is a new creation. Literally, this is a new place. How does this work? And he gives them and shows them the gift of life. And so he right. says it twice, which I found interesting. I guess I hadn't really noticed that he had said those words twice. Any thoughts on that or anything else in the first seven verses? Yeah, I think I think he's I think he's doing that to really emphasize that. Um, and, and even as he goes on, you know, and he's talking about this covenant that's, that he's going to be talking about, um, he doesn't want to see that that all come to an end like it did here in the flood. All of that came to an end. You know, he wanted the world to increase and multiply, to be fruitful and multiply, and and you know his command was was carried out but uh, there was so much corruption that he had to put an end to that and now uh, we almost get a hint of a promise that uh it's not going to happen again but that uh, he wants to emphasize again uh to uh, to be fruitful and multiply and of course we know that that's that he wants us to do that um in respect and in love and honor and trust in him so let's keep moving forward as we look at this text. We are at verse 8, and, you know, to this point, it's all very reasonable. I mean, the whole, most of it is very reasonable. You're like, okay, all right, we're going to multiply, we're going to have food, we're going to multiply, uh, and then we get to even more promise. And this is important for the month of June, for all of you, our listeners, that what we do is simply proclaim the truth of this promise and let the promise be what it is. It's not a time to fight. This is not a time to try to say, no, the rainbow is meant for this, not for this. Da, 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 da. We give and say God's promises are true. And we definitely see it here in verses 8. I think we'll go all the way to 17 as we hear God's covenant with Noah. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, Behold, I will establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I will establish my covenant with you that I will never again shall 
all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is a sign of the covenant that I make between you and me, and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it should be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and, and bow is seen in all the clouds, I'll remember my covenant as between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Pastor, we have about two minutes before our break. Let's let's hold off on the, the bow um, talk for now. And let's just talk about the simple covenant. What is the covenant that the Lord gave to Noah and his people? Well, the covenant that he's not going to destroy them again. You know, he's not going to uh, do it in a, in a way that he's going to destroy all of creation. But he's sitting there uh, letting them know that he's going to make sure that uh, he protects them from all that can destroy them even. Uh, and, that, and that this sign that he makes is, is for future generations that, um, uh, that he will remember this time, you know, this day, this, 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 these days actually of the flood, and uh, we'll never do that again. And are you talking about pointing it to Christ? Are you talking about the the bow as it's pointing to Christ? Or oh, we will get to that point, but it is a month okay. of June, and we'll talk about that after our break. But just so, why is that important for us? That he says there will no longer be a flood. I mean, that just that that seems okay. That's uh, no big deal. Why would that be important for them and for us today? I, I think to bring the stress down to people that live in Florida, because June first <laughs> is the beginning of the hurricane season, <laughs> and oh. we have our first named tropical storm that's going to hit us in the next uh, couple of days. So oh my when goodness. that rain is coming down, we're going to be looking for that bow you know, at oh, the end of it all, and uh, know well, that God good. keeps His promise. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it's <laughs> It's life down here in Florida. I mean, you know, you, you, if you're going to move down here, you better expect that. Yeah, oh, they're my. coming. And so. even vacation down there, we have to think <laughs> about this. But, but, Pastor, right now, how about we take our break? We are studying Genesis chapter 9 with Pastor Curtis Dieterding, and we will be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 9 with Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida, the beginning of hurricane season. Right, wow. Right. Who you know, knew? I didn't mean, 
Oh. I didn't mean to scare you that, about that because that's right. You're coming to visit us, aren't you? <laughs> I love yeah, it. No, this this should be this should blow over by the end of the weekend. So there hopefully there won't be another one before you get down. Well, it's funny because uh, I mean here and here's here I'm, I'm getting hit over the head. First of all, it's hurricane season. Second of all, Pastor Dieterning's not even going to be there when I'm down in Fort Myers. <laughs> not mad, just is what it is. And I'm just waiting. We have a half an hour left, here, Pastor. We'll see what else you have to give me. That might make me a little more frustrated with my trip. No, it's kidding. Okay, here we go. All right. So, well, Pastor, you know, now, Pastor, I have to say this though. Pastor Hank Simon will be here. He oh, is actually going to be here on those Sundays whenever I'm away, and uh, yeah, helping to to run the services. So, wonderful. Well, thanks be to God for our pastors that fill in because we need that vacation, and they still bring the word of God. So, pray for your. Pray for retired or pastors who are other, doing other vocations because they are a gift to us active pastors as we oh, serve absolutely. the Lord's Church. Absolutely. absolutely. So, Pastor, let's do this. Um, this is June, and in our culture today, it's often called Pride Month. And this is what I was alluding to before. They, the usage of Pride Month, and this is not a time, I'm not, not, not trying to bash anybody, I'm not trying to throw anyone on the bus, but it's very clear, first of all, that Pride is not, Pride comes before the fall. This is not a Christian virtue. Second of all, what it usually promotes is a, a, a lifestyle, um, a way of living that we do not agree with as Christians, as male and female, he made them, as a, a marriage is between a husband and wife, right. and all of those realities. And so it becomes very tricky because the rainbow has a whole different meaning to it. And so, Pastor, how do we make sure that when we look at the rainbow, that we are able to look at it faithfully according to Scripture, and lovingly care for others as they use it in a different way. Any of your first thoughts you have for our listeners this morning? Well, I mean, as Christians, I mean, we know what the rainbow, you know, actually meant for you know us as God's people that He would not, uh, you know, have another calamity on the face of the earth by wiping out all the people on the earth. We do understand that connection of God's grace. Uh, to the world given through that rainbow. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, we are not going to advocate uh, the, the way in which humans are, have used the rainbow today to push a cause that's really against God's will. You know, this is not what he wills for us as his people. We do need to take care that there's not confusion there. Um, I do know that um, it's uh, it can be very it can be very disappointing that uh, a biblical covenant has been used to promote something that is truly against the will of God, and it's and it's, uh, it's so confusing for people uh, in our world. I understand that. And so we keep the promise what the Lord has promised. And so for us, we're not afraid of the rainbow flag. Uh, we're not afraid of rainbows. What it means is is different. But Pastor, what is the promise of the rainbow? That every time we see it after a rainstorm, every time, like for example, when I'm watering my plants, there's times the sun hits at the right time and boom, I see a rainbow. What is that promise? And, and well, you mentioned a little bit before, how does this point us to Christ? I mean, you brought it up. Maybe you have an answer to that. How do we well, so, look at that faithfully? Well, because we see that, you know, God does not want, um, you know, he does not want the death of man. That's why he made the promise in Christ Jesus to begin with. And so there's a connection here with uh, that God wants, uh, you know, to show his grace 
and I think show his grace over all, all the earth. And so through this covenant, uh, he's he's making that uh, he's established that he's establishing with all the flesh on the earth is that uh, you know he's not going to destroy. In fact, he wants to do quite the opposite. He wants to see that all men would be saved. And so when the life of Christ comes, he's the, he's the, uh, you know, the epitome of God's grace, of course, uh, way beyond this covenant, uh, because he is the covenant that actually brings salvation through, we, through whom we are saved. You know, um, there's even a, a connection made between um, those who had died in the flood and those uh, and what baptism means that, you know, we are brought to Christ Jesus, uh, you know, through the waters of baptism, a water of life, really, uh, that uh, connects us with the life, Christ Jesus, who gives us eternal life. And I find it interesting that often, and this is true, that when we see the rainbow, we remember his covenant with us. But the text says, when he sees the rainbow, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. That is interesting to me, and I don't know all the theological implications of that, but it's good to know that this is how God remembers his covenant with us, which the reality is that he'll never forget it. I mean, that's very right. clear that, right. you know, I we might see it and forget, but the Lord never sees it and forgets. Any thoughts on him seeing the rainbow and that being a promise of his covenant? Yeah, well, I, you know, he's... <laughs> You know, he's faithful, and he's faithful in all things when it comes to his promises that he makes to us. And, uh, of course, we see that faithfulness uh, of God every time that um, that all comes true, you know, that it, that we can actually see that it actually is fulfilled. And, of course, going forward from that time on, uh, we see that, you know, this rainbow continues to appear, and even in our world today, even to this very day, and it will till the end of time, because he keeps his covenant, his promise, that this rainbow will be seen in the sky, um, you know, as a reminder to us. And so uh, we, even to this day, when we see rainbows, I know I do anyway, I remember the, the faithfulness of God and, and in his keeping of his promises, as he did in that covenant as well with us. And as we look at this, it is the sign of the covenant between me and all flesh that is on the earth. I, I love that too, because I think this really points us to this covenant we have with Christ, is that it, Jesus doesn't say, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It did not say, for God so loved a certain part of the world. Um, he said, right. this this covenant of Christ is for the whole world. Oh, and and mm -hmm. for the whole world. Yeah, it's all right there. So this new creation, this covenant all of this is for the world, which obviously means that is also for you. Pastor, anything else uh, that you have for us, verses 1 through 17? No, I think we've covered it pretty well here. I, I think we all can right. move on. Yeah. So this next portion is, uh, really, I want to see it through two filters. The first filter is that clearly God's promises are real. Clearly, the foundation has been laid. They go out from this ark. It's like it's like the cattle during the springtime in Minnesota. They open up the barn and people just go out and they're able to enjoy God's creation, which is what we're dealing with right now in Minnesota. But the reality is that with the new creation, full of the promise of the rainbow, who knows? Right, right there he shows this bow in the cloud and says, there it is. And oh, what joy there is. But yet everything is not perfect. And that's what we see 
here in uh, this. And also, like I said at the beginning, why we know they needed a savior and why we know we need one as well. So verse 18. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was a father of Canaan. These were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk, and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah woke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord Yahweh, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So, Pastor, here we see the descendancies, right? We're going to hear more about this in chapter 10. And something happens, you know, something happens that we know can happen nowadays. We really hope Noah doesn't, is not the one that falls into it, but he does, which reminds us also that need of a savior that he had. And so do we. So pastor, how do you want to break this down as you would teach a Bible study about the story of Noah and the vineyard and his sons? I think you need to really uh, look at um, how it is that, you know, sin divides us out. You know how it how it just it causes us uh, to be separated from God. Um, how it how it uh, causes separation even between us. You know in in our relationship with one another, but at the same time, uh, to know that there's going to be consequences for our sin as well. And uh, even in spite of the fact that we know uh, that God is a gracious God, that He does offer forgiveness, there's still going to be consequences that happen as a result of any sin that we have. And uh, the consequences already began uh, with Noah, you know, as far as uh, him being discovered uh, in that uh, awkward uh, way there in his in his tent um, because he had too much wine. And then you, then you have Ham, uh, who... Uh, does nothing to cover up his father, but rather comes out and tells his two brothers. Not sure of all the implications of that. We look at that maybe today and not see that as, as such a uh, such a horrible thing. But but it is. It was very disrespectful in the day. And then and then of course Shem and and, and Japheth uh, trying to do their best uh, not to see their father's nakedness, uh, showing great respect uh, for him. And uh, so that becomes the. Uh, the malady really there is that that Ham, um, he could have done the same. You know, he could have, he could have just done the same, and uh, not spoken um, poorly uh, against his father. Um, so there's a lot going on here in this, but it also shows us that that God is in control and that our sin. You know, the one thing that I saw there too, and I, I did I didn't catch it before when I was reading it, is that. Um, the curse of our sin is passed on to generation, to generation, to generation. Mm. And so we definitely see that here uh, loud and clear as well. 
So let's break it down from the beginning is Noah begins to work the ground. This is clearly part of the requirement now after Adam and Eve fell that you're going to have to work for this. And he planted a vineyard. Now, I don't think there's anything profound with that. There is, there's, there's not an issue of planting a vineyard per se. And how would you address somebody who maybe makes the connection of, okay, uh, Noah planted a vineyard, got drunk, therefore we should never plant a vineyard. How would you faithfully <laughs> look at that understanding sin, the sinfulness, and also God's creation? What's your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are that, you know, we see that... Uh, Wine is used in many different ways throughout uh, the Scripture, and especially when it comes to uh, even the meals that, that God established, the Passover meal, the, uh, the Lord's Supper, um, you know, J- Jesus even uh, making wine at a wedding, uh, not just any old wine, but the best, you know, and you've got, so th- th- there must not be, that must not be the issue. It must not be the wine itself. The wine isn't uh, the thing that is uh, the evil, but it's it's the way in which it had been used. And it was used in such a way that he drank too much, he became drunk, and he eventually is uncovered in his tent, which creates, it can, it's going to create more problems. We know that drunkenness can create all kinds of problems, and in this case it definitely does. And uh, so it's the person, it's the person who drinks, it's not the, it's not the wine itself, it's not the grapes, um, uh, or the process of making the wine. It is, uh, it's man uh, not controlling himself and and uh, enjoying it as a gift from God, you know, the fruits of the vine, as a gift from God, rather than uh, overindulging to the point uh, that he got himself into trouble uh, in the sense of, of, of sinning. We do have one question that I received uh, via email, is in verse 22, excuse me, verse 22, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. The question is this. This often is just seen, uh, the question is, this often is seen only as something that he saw his father naked. However, I've heard it said that in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 6, which I encourage our listeners to look at Leviticus chapter 18, verse 6, that it says, none of you shall approach any one of his close relatives to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord Yahweh. Often Leviticus chapter 18, verse 6 is not only saying, don't see their nakedness, but there's a, a euphemism in this of sexual relations. So mm-hmm. I've heard that too, Pastor, and I wanted to hear some of your thoughts on it because... Was it simply he saw him naked? Was there some kind of sexual, you know, problems that occurred there? What have you heard, and and what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I mean, we're not going to know the answer to that. I mean, we only mm-hmm. have these words that are given to us. Um, you know, we we can definitely pick up that there might be more going on there. I mean, I had I have to say that even whenever I'm looking at that, you know. Uh, and you're saying, "Wow, is this more than just looking upon somebody's nakedness?" 
Um, there's shame in that, and there was shame that that same shame that was felt by Adam and Eve. Uh, they recognized uh, that um, they were naked, <laughs> and so that in True. itself yeah. uh, is part of the original sin too. That this was a consequence of that, and so yeah, so so I had, I guess I'd say it maybe a little bit lighter than that. That you know this is disrespectful. It's it's not just disrespectful. It's sinful uh, to look on another person's nakedness. Um, I mean even. Christ goes as far as to say if if those of the opposite sex look at, at one another with lust in their hearts, you know, they've committed adultery with them in their heart. I mean, there's 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 a lot of impl- implications to the to the fact of placing our eyes on somebody or, or, or looking upon somebody uh, that is in their nakedness. And we do see, you know, implications of this as well. So, for example, Clearly, if there was some kind of sexual relations there, that is clearly a sin, and there'd be great shame in that. But also, we see that in our own culture is not exactly something that, as as a as a parent or as a father, you want your children to see you in a shameful position, which is not only nakedness, but drunkenness. Is that mm-hmm. this is not something that's a prideful, mm-hmm. a, and I pride wrong word, a joyful thing, a fruitful thing for the child and for the parent. And so you have a lot of that and you want to always, and this goes down to, Pastor, you and I have had discussions about marriage too, Ephesians 5. This is not, this is not an uplifting and, and nourishing of one each other in the name of Jesus. And so you have that shame and guilt and all these things. But also these things happen. I mean, and I'm not saying this is something that we should do, but, but Pastor, for Noah, for all of our listeners, there's been shame, there's been sin, there's been all of these things. What, what, what do we do when these things happen, as we see with Noah and also with us? What do we do with that as Christian people? Well, God, God wants us to repent of those things. You know, He wants <laughs> us to turn away from uh, those sins and to turn toward Him and to... Uh, ask for his mercy that he would be merciful and not uh and not uh, punishment punish us in the in the way that uh, he he says that you know the wages of sin is death but rather that um we might find freedom and the forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus and and know that uh we can we can live afresh uh, as forgiven and redeemed children of God and really, it's not just it's not just the sin of drunkenness or the sin of, of sexual immorality or whatever might have taken place here. It's all sin. I mean, this points us to every every sin that happens between um, you know father and son in any relationship, really in 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 the family. And again, you know, looking at this uh, activity that went on from Noah and from Ham, um, again. That's the sin kind of coming down to the next generation, you know, again. And uh, we can see it in the act, the actual action here uh, between Noah and Ham. So they, re- they I, the other brothers took the garment, tried to restore as much uh, dignity to Noah as they could. When Noah wakes up, the wine is worn off, he's over his hangover, he realizes what has happened, and then the curses begin for Canaan. This is Ham's Ham's son. Son, yeah. Yep, and there is a curse. What are your thoughts on that curse and what that means? Well, the curse of sin continues to pass on from generation to generation. That was my point earlier, Mm -hmm. that, you know, this this is all going to have, it's going to have consequences that's going to be passed on. 
uh, you know, from generation to generation, and and they're going to be they're going to remember it uh, in what in this specific, especially in the specific curse that God gives here, that he'll be a servant of servants and a servant to um, both uh, Shem and Japheth. And so you've got, uh, and it says, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. So that, uh, and, and, and in many ways, you know, the one thing that I, when I read this, too, I'm thinking to myself, uh, this is not the same uh when you think of this as a curse, it says cursed be Canaan, um, and yet you and I, as slaves or as servants of Christ, we find it a blessing. You know, there's kind mm-hmm. of a uh, there's kind of a, a different uh, understanding of servant here, in the sense that this is this is an abs- absolute curse. It's not by choice. It's not by uh, willingness. Um, this is by a, a command of God that you he must do this. So, so there's a different understanding of that because I'm sure that you know as we as Christians look at this, we're going well. It would be a joy to be another person's servant, to be able to serve them, to serve God, um, and for us it is. So it's not the same as what God is doing here as far as cursing uh, them with this. Uh, relationship, because it is a, a relationship that is brought on by God, uh, really enforcing this rather than uh, this this wonderful joy that we have to serve Christ because of his great love for us. And we see this where the sins of, of, of Ham and Canaan leads us to what eventually are the Canaanites. Yes. And this is not necessarily a real faithful people <laughs> as we look through the generations. And we see that that these sins go to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Now, what we don't want this to be is a realization, well, you know, my family's just stuck in sin, therefore I'll be stuck in sin. Uh, this is the beauty of the gospel. The gospel does not say, by the way, you have no chance, you were born into the wrong family. No, the gospel is, is that Everybody has been died for, and you are able to be a new creation as you see it. And that's where I see this, where um, it teaches us the destructiveness of sin um, from here all the way to all generations. But also, when we see put on our Christ goggles, is that cursed is Christ, who is a servant to all of his brothers, and that would be you and me. And that's what the promise has, the fulfillment, the blood, the life, all of this, is if you don't have Christ in this, we just assume that the Finner name, it was bad in the 1880s, which is not true, I don't believe. Um, <laughs> therefore, 2022, it's still a bad name. But no, our name, we have been marked, we have been redeemed, we have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. He is our name and our identity. Pastor, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, again, I think that that... that, that uh, words, those words together, servant of servants, you know, again, kind of jumps mm-hmm. out out of the oh, text. And, and we know that the servant of servants, like you mentioned, is, is Jesus Christ. He said, I did not come to be served, but to be, uh, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I, you know, immediately we, when you're, you're saying, let's look at it through our Jesus goggles. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, we, yeah. we see the text a little differently uh, to in, I mean, it's interesting that this was a curse uh, at this time, back in the you know back in these early days, and that now um, the understanding that we have as servant is one that that desires to follow the servant Jesus Christ, and so our 
our desire comes from not feeling the obligation of a law or a demand from God, like like a law command, but now we want to follow all that God uh, asks of us and requires of us in the law because of the fact of the, the love that we've received through Christ Jesus, and now that love... Uh, Hopefully, that love, you know, as we look at God's will for us, we want to, we have a desire out of the love of Christ and for his love for us that we want to follow his will. So it's a different it's a different position we find ourselves in when we look at what it means to be a servant or a servant of servants. Um, you know, that's... Uh, that's really interesting to see, uh, really the the the, the uh, dichotomy there, and at the same time to see a lot of the similarities that go on in that as well. Christ be our servant, you know, is is the right. language that we see, and so we're able to see once again Christ everywhere. Pastor, we have about three minutes left in our time. The the, the important part is we don't want to just stick with the curses, but we see the blessings that we were then and also were today. So he blesses uh, the God of Shem and, and Canaan, his servant, um, and the, the Lord blesses Japheth. And what does that tell us for them and for us? Well, it, it tells us that God is a gracious God, too. He does have mercy. He will uh, continue to uh, be their God and they be his people. That That is God's plan for all time, all the way into the future, uh, God's ultimate uh, desire is for us to be His people, and of course we see that in the one who becomes cursed on a, on a cursed tree, uh, who becomes sin for us, you know, to uh, to put away sin that divides us out uh, once and for all, so that we might have uh, re- be redeemed and have a relationship with our Father forever. That we might be that we one day will be His people, and He will uh, be our God ultimately in uh, the uh, the eternal life to come. So, Pastor, with our uh, two minutes left in our time, Genesis, the flood account. The flood account shows us the best, the, the worst, the everything in between as we kick off into really getting close to Abram or Abraham. As we look at all this, what's your encouragement for our listeners as we leave the flood account, look to Abram, and what that means as we look at the scriptures and the blessings and, and the gifts and the promises of God. Your last thoughts as we as we end our time. So so yeah. So we're we're looking at the blessing. We're looking at the blessing that God gave to Noah and his family, saving them through the flood, moving us into that still saving blessing uh, mode as we go to Abraham. And God uh, says that you know he, there'll be generations and generations uh, that will come from him, and and that God will have mercy upon them, and He will keep His promises, all His promises, and especially the promise that we have in His Son Jesus Christ, which ultimately has now passed from generation to generation of those who believe in him and those who know that they have salvation in Jesus Christ. And uh, you and I and all who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are part of those generations of people that have been saved. Uh, And we give God all the glory and all the thanks that he keeps all his covenant promises. Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 9. Pastor Dieterding, thank you for being or bringing us his gifts. Well, safe travels to you, and it's always a joy. Absolutely. Thank you. That God bless. always is. Thank you. So encouragement for you, our listeners, two things. First of all, uh, 
God's word is true. So remember, this flood account was not a nice fable. It was true. It is a new creation, and so are you and our Lord Jesus. Second of all, check out the Ark Encounter down in Kentucky. You're able to understand a lot of what we just read the last few chapters um, in a way that we don't know for sure could have happened, but it sure could have. And God does provide for his people. And finally, for you, our listeners, as we look at this month of June, we see the rainbow that is, is indicated if you have any struggles whatsoever with what the ideology is promoted and want to live that Christ-centered life, talk to your pastor. Go to lcms.org. There are many resources and places by which you can go, or you can contact other people here at KFUO and direct you into a place that will point you to Christ and the way to live a holy life, forgiven, redeemed, and restored. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.